This Much We Know is a podcast offering an honest and informative perspective of the realities and motivations of setting up a social enterprise. We'll be joined by guest social entrepreneurs and charity leaders whose trading models work to end homelessness. We'll be sharing their stories, tips, and of course, their face palm moments. Homeless Link is the national membership charity for organisations working directly with people who become homeless in England. We work to make services better and campaign for policy change that will help end homelessness. Homeless Link members get access to benefits that support you to build and develop your organisation and ensure your voice and experience is heard at a national, regional and local level. To find out more about Homeless Link membership for your organisation, visit homeless.org.uk forward slash join. This afternoon, we're welcoming Sean. Hello, Sean. Do you want to say hello yeah, and tell us about your social enterprise? No bother. So I'm Shan Downs. I'm the CEO and founder of Strawberry Lemonade Events. We're a corporate events agency. We're primarily based out of Edinburgh, but we work nationally with an office in Liverpool. On the surface, we're just a corporate events agency. We do awards dues and conferences, and we do quite a cool food festival and yoga festival, but actually behind the scenes, we train, recruit, and mentor people coming from a background of social exclusion, such as homelessness and mental health issues. We train them to get paid employment and paid work experience in the industry, and then move them through various different partner channels, hopefully into a job that they love. Events is, I believe, an incredibly amazing industry for people who have come from all different backgrounds, so if you have found yourself homeless, you have typically a lot of resistance. So maybe a sales job for you could be really good. You're typically amazing with money, subject to what the BBC would have you believe. So actually you would be amazing at budgeting. You'd be fabulous at working in finance because you really, really know how to make that fibre stretch. If you're a real people person, you can work in hospitality in front of house. And if you hate folk, you can just do rigging and stage crew. So that's why I, I've worked in events for years. I worked for a charity before I started here, and that's where I found the opportunity when I was running their events department. Awesome. Something for everyone. That's part of the thing that's interesting, isn't it, with social enterprise, looking at employability programs. It's about what finding what suits people. And often the totally. reason someone has struggled in employment is they just haven't found what works for them. Totally. And I think that a big thing that I bang on about and what I think that we're really good at here is being kind of like middle ground employer so we, we you know people go through the course and they are kind of upskilled but then also you have to really lean into people's circumstances so you have to accept that folk will turn up late that people won't fill out the holiday form that they might go a bit AWOL that their attitude maybe isn't like work perfect that whole like would you get away with this working in Morrison's like we use that experience that example a lot just to highlight how how we are trying to take care of our staff before they get into employment. Because if somebody goes from not being employed for years, systemic unemployment in a 40 hour a week job, it's typically not going to work. So then it's like, mm. you know, to try to break that cycle. So what we do here is we a bit more understanding. We try and put some practices in place where people have got a wee bit of leeway, but still getting them that typical Tory phrase, work ready. And that's what we just hope that other employers can do as well just having a wee bit more leeway and a wee bit more grace with people while they find their feet and and how did you get into this I know you said that you you sort of been in the event industry before yeah. like for a charity what's your story so, yeah so 
events organizer for years and years um i volunteered at a thing called the homeless world cup which um i'm sure a lot yeah. of people have heard from listening to this podcast yeah. so i volunteered there went on to work for the scotland partner so the organization that takes team scotland to the homeless world cup every year it's called street soccer scotland they're really amazing definitely get them on your podcast they do genuinely proper hard impact huge big amazing work uh, when i was there i ran their uh, events department so anything in the company that made money so golf days corporate dues gala dinners that sort of thing and we work heavily with corporate scotland which i hope is something that we get to talk about on the podcast today of just different funding streams and, and different options and and how social enterprises can be a wee bit more like savvy and like the business sense as opposed to just sort of like the grant funding sense so we are so running a very big do with a fancy footballer that was street soccer's mo for a big gala dinner and we had a corporate sponsor so that might be somebody like a bank or a lawyers or whatever and typically they gave up their one day a year to volunteer and i remember this group coming up to me while we are like very very busy at the setup to this gala dinner and they're saying to me you know there's only water here like we can't get a tea or coffee like we'd have to pay for it and i was like yeah that's kind of how it works pal like when you're volunteering for a charity and they just sort of saying oh like we're bored like this doesn't seem that organized and in my head I was like it's not like it's a live event yeah like you know I don't know what it's not like the law or banking or whatever however on the flip side we also had a load of guys and girls who came to the football sessions who were volunteering. So Street Soccer Scotland, Scotland's Leaking Sport for Change charity, and they do free football sessions for anyone affected by social exclusion issues. So guys and girls coming along, they've had a tough time. You get chatting to them and they're looking for something new. So come along, volunteer at this. Bear in mind, this is like in the Hilton. And um, so it's a good gig. And these guys are buzzing for it. They're there at 6 a.m. They're wearing a happy help t-shirt. Nobody knows their story. Nobody knows that they've been kicked out by their mom or that they're sofa surfing or that they've previously been in jail. They literally have a purpose and they're just so keen for the recognition and so keen to help. And events is so tangible. You know, you go into the room, nothing's happening. You set up the event. In theory, folk have a great time. You pull it down. If you've had if you've kind of been floating job to job, house to house, really lost your way, you really don't have a purpose, all of a sudden you have a smack bang purpose on that day, even if it's just to show folk to the loo, you get an instant feedback because whether it's good or bad, like folk are going to let you know. And you're part of this team. You know, there's a real, real camaraderie behind the scenes of events. So I just thought like, this is where it's at. Like, this is so good. I'm looking at this corporate group thinking like, you know, you could have been painting a school, or you could have been cleaning a swamp, but here you are with me in the Hilton and it's still no good enough. But I've got the guys and girls, they're buzzing to help. And then I'm saying like, oh, can you go to the shop and get me a can of Coke and a twirl? And they're like, yeah, no bother. And I just thought there is something here. As soon as that event's finished, everybody's saying to me at the next time I'm down at the drop-in sessions, when the next event, I want to come and help out. Like I heard there was free food, like happy days. And I just thought there is something in that. So thought like you know a couple of different ideas and eventually strawberry lemonade was born so literally that's what we do so we train the guys so that they've got a, a basic understanding of what events is hospitality digital marketing budgeting even the way that we talk to delegates using phrases like delegates attendees what that all means not just saying to somebody like if somebody comes up like hey like can you let me know where the toilet is like over there you know like we really really try and get people to think like 
how we would talk and how we would like to be spoken to and those like again typical like job center phrase of transferable skills but it is really true so now every event that we do we always have our junior planners with us so junior planners that names kind of come from I hate the term service user like ugh, oh my god like how just like inhumane and we then had um, event support crew and after a while because we worked so many of the guys have actually ended up on our team over the years that it just felt like junior planner just felt nice and it also just felt like it had a wee prestige so any event that we're ever hired for be that a corporate a charity or whatever we always have our guys who've been on the course with us and actually that's something that's really resonating with corporates now as well they like that they can see the social impact that goes into like the work that we do and then we can also tally up between the profit that we make and the hours that the guys spend on the project how much social impact that's generated for the community so some projects will be like 10 hours some projects will be 600 hours and then we show that before we when we're putting our tenders in we say we reckon this you know this contract would generate this back into the community and corporates really love it because obviously for them they've got to be showing their csr if they're going for government contracts they have to be showing the good work that they're doing as well so yeah that's strawberry lemonade and our big nutshell <laughs> fantastic love it it's really good so Thank Sean you. you might have picked up this up already but you were highly recommended by a few of your other guests yeah that's um, very nice name them shame yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna shame them now um, yeah. Zakia from Invisible Cities was the yeah, first she's my best said. friend she's got to she's yeah. my maid of honor like oh, is what she? is she doing oh, if she's not yeah. Ah, well, I didn't realise that. And then other people have suggested, we're like, you must talk That's to her, nice. you must get her on. And um, yeah. so it's really good to finally have you on. Thank um, you. You are fortunate in that you've fallen in the in the sort of season or series that we're working on at the moment, which is all of our guests are women social entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, so I guess my next question is around that. And yep. when I even say that expression, female social entrepreneur, what's your sort of Yeah, definitely. To so that? one part is like, well, duh. And then the other part of me is like, oh, it's a bit cringy, like hate this sort of like pigeonhole. But then also the next part of me is like, well, you're a bit of a hypocrite, Shan, because you've ran a million women in business events your whole life. And now you just have to accept that you're one of them. So yeah, it's a mix of emotions. Overall, I mean, it's if the group has been identified for the better, it's got to be a good thing. Yeah, it is a fact, it sort of toy with how you how you phrase it because on the one part, saying woman social entrepreneur makes it seem like a different kind of entrepreneur and it's yeah. not. The purpose of, of kind of raising the profile, I guess, of some women in social enterprise in this series is more that we can see disparity between the amount of women running social businesses successfully to those that are being talked about at a high level or, or having access to the, the higher funding opportunities. Yeah. And that's kind of what we wanted to, to spark on. In our last series, a large part of our conversation was um, the need for diversity and more doing and less talking yeah. in the social enterprise and social finance space. And one of our guests in that series spoke really passionately about this kind of acceptance we have for the, for the difference in funding sort of between genders. Oh. Um, and so we were like, okay, let's let's do something about it. Yeah, so I'm definitely, so I see that a lot. I see it's as usual, the ambition, you know, even, so we do a lot of 
we don't do so much now because we're quite busy, but especially during the pandemic, we did a huge amount of bid writing on behalf of other charities. You know, like in the pandemic, you have to pivot and kind of find your skills. And that was something that we could do. And actually, it was so black and white to being like, oh, I'd be happy to take whatever versus the project costs this. This is what we need. And that was a total male female divide. Yeah. You know, yeah, definitely guys just saying it's what it is. Like, that's the project. And then um, women saying, well, if we could get five grand, that would be right good. Like, if we could get, and then you'd be like, and does that cover your fee? Like, have you got a management fee in there? They'd be like, no. And then you're like, okay, so let's reevaluate that. Mm. And a, a point that I want to raise is, is something that for me has been such an education is my partner is an electrician. And the, the opposite of our, ro- our roles, obviously couldn't be more different, but Mark will start off any project with being like, it's going to cost you. And then in my head, I'm always like, how can I do this as cheap as possible for the client? And actually being around him and him just being like, yeah, but if, you know, if your client started with this and they asked for more things, then you just need to charge them more. And I'll be like, yeah, but I already said it was going to be this quote. And he's like, well, yeah, well, it's just a quote. Like, just change it. And he has no qualms whatsoever of submitting a client a much higher bill because that's what it's cost. He's factored in all his time. He's more material, all that sort of thing. And I think, like, even though that's an electrician, potentially not a social enterprise, but just so interesting and in how women approach. And I don't think I'm even that bad. Mm. Like, I think I'm quite empowered, actually, it does it takes it almost the absolute opposite sector of what you do to see the differences in how you operate and I think that that must be I mean that's surely not just in the social enterprise charity world I think that that whole about women getting less funding women charging less women not valuing their time absolutely mm-hmm. like you know across the board an issue yeah I, I think part of it is and this is sort of speculation, there's no science what I'm saying, but I think some of it is having higher empathy. If you're working in a social yeah. enterprise and you're, you can see the potential impact, even if you know, you know, you need 50 grand to do this, you'll be like, you know, I could find a way of doing it for less if it means that we could do it because the potential Absolutely. of what it could mean for people is, is worth me risking myself. But that also means there's a higher risk for burnout. And I don't Massively. think this is necessarily deliberate. It's, it's not a kind of, blame game or anything like that but yeah we I mean we will go out for tender for financial expertise to help on programs and so we'll have you know both both men and women uh, and people who identify as you know other yeah and and the difference in how they pitch themselves from monetary is is gender-based you know you can see clear clear definitions and with other protected characteristics too it's it's surprising Mm. yeah yeah absolutely um and i bet there is probably some science behind it like not that i know mm. but um yeah you can yeah absolutely and it's just you know yeah so i think there has to be you have to have podcasts like this to talk about but you also i think sometimes like my message is when you have to recognize it in yourself as well and then also what i just wish across the board is that people who are in the position of power i.e a hiring manager or a budget controller or whatever we just give more guidance around like when you say like when, when we're putting in tenders to run a training course like what are your outcomes like really like you know you just want somebody to say like do not apply for 20 grand unless you can help 50 people or do not apply for 50 grand if it's 
only 20 people. You know what I mean? Sometimes I just wish things weren't so cloak and dagger all the time because I think that that grey space is where women go down and men go up. It's really interesting. Yeah, Sorry, Simon. That's a really, no, really good no, place. no. I was going to put this in earlier, but I, I'm going to get in trouble with all of our male listeners now and our male entrepreneurs, but I actually think women are better at social enterprise, actually. And that that's, that's just based yeah. upon the last 10 years of working in this space and the last six or seven as a consultant what I tend to find is that that the women are better leaders yeah sometimes as well and they lead Absolutely. in a very different way that makes social enterprise work better what um, yeah and I think the difference in leadership I think they're more collaborative actually so they're better at bringing everybody in a team up with them so like we're this is what we're going to do but everyone's going to come and do this whereas I think some some of the males that I've worked with have a very different approach like what they're going to just do as I tell them it's a very different feel that you get when you go yeah. to a, a female-led social enterprise I the, think to that of a male-led social enterprise a very different approach I think that's exact I think that's right as well Simon like, we're definitely singing off the same hymn sheet what I would say is though I think it gets to a point in social enterprises where women like the empathy like that's carried so long that they actually then become they feel guilty about having to make what would be seen as more business decisions so i.e not awarding pay rises or um sacking somebody or can you like performance management people as well i see that as an issue a lot because it's always something like that woman then feels judged that her social enterprise isn't you know, nothing but a bed of roses and isn't anything about impact and things. I think that that can be a real challenge. And it's definitely what I feel as well, is you want to be so welcoming, you want to be so open, you want to be so judgment-free. And then you get to a certain stage where the social enterprise is growing and scaling, and then you have to have more processes and standard business practices. And then that feels so alien um, so like, so like, you know, potentially, and I just, this is from my own experience and from my own community, that things like performance managing staff is a massive challenge in social enterprises, because it's almost like, you know, they should, everything should be all right. Like nobody actually needs performance management, you know, um, you couldn't do that because you don't, you're trying not to operate like a, you know, like a city organization or whatever, but actually there could be lessons learned from both. So I think that absolutely male leaders could definitely lead with a lot more empathy and a lot more like weaving the cause in but I still think that sometimes like I've just seen quite a few female-led social enterprises going to the wall because they were not paying themselves they had mm. burnout and I not that I'm like sitting there going one male like one male one female with the tally marks but I'm just on my radar less male-led social enterprises going to the wall over um like finance and burnout yeah I think that uh you're probably right with, with that but that it's the causes of that are, are separate and, and due to a lack of diversity in a lot of cases yeah, but yeah it, it's an interesting topic isn't it I think these conversations are so in our minds and it's so rare to kind of have it out loud yeah absolutely and I think for me it's just good to chat about it isn't it like if it's you know you can't see it you can't be it. if you're not hearing about it you can't dream about it and so forth so yeah absolutely it just has to be out there and I think all the time like women just have to give themselves permission because nobody's coming along to do it to do what they want to do so I, you go for big bids take social investment take loans you know hire you know as opposed to potentially putting that money into 
another training course, like the overhead of a training course, like take that money, use it for your salary because you cannot continue to do the good work all the time. And that's where I think there is a line between charity and social enterprise. Um, because at the end of the day, social enterprise, like you got to be doing it. You got to be doing that enterprise, that business bit as well. You got to be selling. Okay. Yeah. I think Sean and I agree on this already around the, yeah. the selling thing. We do a lot of training with organisations around oh how, my God. how to Where sell. Where did so, people come from? To, I'm going to set up something and then expect it to be sold because it's a good product at double the price at four times the shipping at eight times the lead time because we donate one to donkeys. You're like, no, nah, man, literally doesn't work like that. <laughs> literally, you know. Yeah, no yeah i love the donkeys for a disclaimer like have you know pretty sure you know i've got one of those donkey direct debits going that everybody took while at university but um yeah you know the the selling thing i'm really passionate and also clueless as i think wondering what people thought was going to happen yeah it's really interesting isn't it yeah my favorite is when you have to you ask an enterprise what is it you do and they tell you Mm. and then you go yeah but yeah run that I, do, I do these women this empowerment courses in um you know such and such community and, and yeah you're like yeah, yeah yeah that's really cool but like how do you make money for that no no i just do those courses you're like do you charge them <gasps> no way and you're like okay so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Not quite what you do. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's getting that isn't it it's exactly that so sean we've touched on a, a few of the people yeah. that you work with and quite well connected with uh, have there been other people that have inspired you from the social enterprise space that are like there was that conversation with that individual that led to this or we started so, out because of that so I think I think there's not been t- particularly one pinnacle of conversation that has just been like yeah that is it I put a post when I when I, you know when you finally get it together and you're just like just flaming doing it so you're still Typically, a lot of people are still working at their daytime job and they're launching like their side hustle. Cool. And I remember there was a, there's a local group in Edinburgh and it feels like this group of women run the world. So if you don't make it in that group, you feels like you, you've not got a gore. And this is a very kind of like affluent, bougie group where they'll talk about, you know, kids swimming lessons and where to go for brunch and you can sort of do a monthly business post. And I remember kind of launching my business in there one night just being like hiya I do this and it just got really well received and I thought that's all right then because they're willing to pay and I need people to be able to pay for my services I am not here to plan your you know staff party for free my portfolio already includes a master's degree like do not need any of your charity just need your cash and I'm thinking if they've got it and a kind of crappy earlier in Facebook text at eight o'clock on a Monday night, then I'm probably going to be all right. I also have a business mentor, probably slash life coach. And um, she was really supportive of it because she just wanted me to be, she wanted me just to, you know, to do the job that you wanted to do. Probably spoke to Zakia from Invisible Cities a load about it as well. She's a proper inspiration. She had gone maybe like full time on the project potentially a year before I did strawberry lemonade and then strawberry lemonade took off really quickly so from being a side hustle in January I was fully operating the business in March so that was quite exciting yeah and not then and also it's like people like how did you do that literally guys I networked I got my black book out 
I messaged everybody I knew saying, I do this, do you need this? And then one charity said, yes. Like we, what you've been doing for the charity that you work for, that's what we need. We cannot afford a full-time person like on salary, but we can take you for six months at your rate and let's see how it goes. And they ended up being my main client and did loads of really great things together and only stopped working with them when I had a baby. So, you know, some people think like, like the mat, like, oh, I'll never be able to do that. Like, I'll never be able to take my side hustle full time. Like, have you asked? Have you asked for the business? Like, have you asked anybody to employ you? You know, you put it on your LinkedIn, put it on these local groups. So yeah, so probably less one conversation and just like kind of the stars aligning on a few. And then in terms of people who inspire me in the sector, there's loads. There's a great charity down on the West Scotland called the called Center Stage. So Fiona, who runs that, totally cool. She doesn't know who I am at all. I just, you know, admire from afar. Mm-hmm. But she's just doing really great things and she is taking on the man. So Fiona is a high school teacher and never felt like she fitted in and then set up Center Stage, which is a charity social enterprise for people with adult learning difficulties to really get into music. So they do great, great things and do shows. And she's just such an inspiration. They built a wellness hub against the council's wishes. So they took over a an old That's high that. school, you know, spent millions on it, but the council would have spent billions on it and are now trying to be like, you know, you can do this. Like you can you can be there and you can lead authentically and you can do it your own way and you don't need to get permission from people and you can get your funding elsewhere as well. She works amazingly with partners as well. So renting out, you know, football space, renting out, like, you know, imagine like school sports halls and things, renting out classrooms, making it like a real hub of the community as well. And then also making it not weird. Like, because I don't know about you, but sometimes you can go to a community venue and you're like, yeah, like, this happy apple print that you've got on the wall, it's just not for me. And it's not going to attract a huge amount of people. And it's not going to have people who have got a bit of cash to spend coming on their lunch. You know, it's always going to feel a bit naff. So she didn't do that. And she made it very cool. And um, yeah, she just, so just followed her for ages. And then she spoke at something quite far into my journey. But I remember just thinking like, yeah, like, you know, keep going, keep doing it. And now they are recognizing that their local council are now wanting to spend something like astronomical, like 8 million to create a wellness hub. And she's like, we've got it. Like we've built it. Just give us that money. Like, well, you've been doing feasibility studies and hiring four new people in those departments. Like we just got on with it. And actually like that is what I at the end of the day, just don't wait for permission. Just do it, man. That's what I felt about my very first event. I got no funding from social enterprise funders, which I did get after doing this. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So had lads who were like in my circle, need a bit extra cash, put on a wedding fair, sold the spaces, big success. Laddies walking out there with some cash in hand for, you know, for their week for some fags and a couple of kebabs. Big feel good factor. And then funders were like, I get it now. Like, I totally get what you're doing now. So sometimes, you know, it's easier said than done, but sometimes you just got to believe in yourself and just do it and take a wee risk. And then we've been really fortunate with grant funding ever since that very first wedding fair. I think that's a really um, poignant 
point that you just have yeah. to go for it. We had um, yeah. Meg from Fat Macy's on in our in our first season. Mm-hmm. Who said she just knew what she was going into something that was either going to work or it wasn't. Yeah, you know the fact that there was a maybe in there was worth it, and and it's sure. it's so true. You have to just try, and I think as as a sector, we need to create a better safety net. Yeah, better safety for people to to do that and take the risk. We don't always have to prove an idea before we deliver it because how can you if you don't deliver it? Categorically, (laughs) so uh, funny. I listened to this podcast called Secret Leaders, which is really really interesting, and it's all sorts of people from organisations that you know you probably just don't know who is behind them. Just Eat, Deliveroo, Moonpig, Lastminute.com, all those sorts of people. And that podcast is so interesting. So many lessons learned. Oh my God, does it make me laugh? It's like, oh, we did just a million dollars in the seed round to test the idea for this software as a service thing. And then you're like, what? Like literally people gave you a million pounds so you could test the idea. The first thing you did was took a salary, paid off all your debts, took out, you know, then, you know, paid yourself a massive bonus, hired some web designers and then said, okay, we've trialed it for a couple of months. We now need another 3 million to scale up while creating zero social impact. And all I want to do is hire two folk on four days at 30 grand. <laughs> That's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, it's mad, and isn't it? And they think it's g- too risky. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like literally the worst thing that could happen is that even if you create no social impact, you've still hired people who've had jobs, who've paid taxes, who, you know, haven't had childcare fun stress. Like it really, you know, it, to me, I'm just like, oh my God, like, and it's just, yeah, it can just be so frustrating. So I was very glad to see that you guys are doing a wee event on a social, social investment funding. I know this would probably go out afterwards, but yeah, I just think it's like, right, now is the time to start having these conversations as well for our organization. I think it's failure. Part of this podcast for us is about is talking about failure. Oh my god, absolutely! And because we we just don't people, you know. And I wish somebody had said to me like, "Fail fast and move on." Right at the beginning of my yeah, the move life, on because I would have done a lot more risky stuff. I think unbelievable. So the founder of this Secret Leaders podcast, which I feel is a plug on another podcast. So I'm sorry, I'm plugging somebody else's, but it's so <laughs> interesting. So this guy knew he was going to fail, so everything was fine in the business. But there was something like his KPIs or whatever, he could see that in the next six months, there was good, they were going to run out of money. So beforehand, he just went to all his investors and said, hiya, so we're going to fail. Like we're doing all right now, but in six months, we're going to fail. And then they all just, they said, okay, so we've got enough money to give you back your money. And then all the investors went, nah, man, just keep it. We've already invested. We'd maybe like to get something out of it. So away you go and just think about something whatever you want to do he'd worked it was like I think it was like a digital agency and he came back so he'd failed at that and then he launched a multivitamin with the money that they had you know paid like paid people off moved them into other jobs didn't have any business debt you know just like total cream clean break then had all the money to take two months off of work to go and think about another idea which is where he came up with the multivitamin and now that's doing like super well but imagine that in the charity sector be like, guys, like we've not spent all the grant funding, but this project's going to be guff. We're going to get absolutely nobody on it. So can we just hold on to this money for a bit? 
keep the team healthy, keep the team safe, let us regroup and we'll do something better or, you know, as good as we said, we just need a wee bit breathing room. Like just, it's like literally absurd. And at the whole time, all you're being is like, remember, we're still trying to do good for people. Like your man weighs multivitamin. He is not interested in creating any good in the community. So yeah, I think that the whole sector i mean i'm always up for a revolution i'm none of this evolution evolution i want revolution right away but they're really uh you know and i say this to funders all the time like we'll do this but i tell you what we could do if we didn't have this criteria and that's a big thing for us um, in the employability world being constrained to people who are 24 we've worked with guys who are 65 years of age who have, you know, gambling issues. Where do I get the funding for that guy? He's supposed to be taking his state pension. You know, so there's major disparities. And also, why is his life now not worth funding versus somebody who's, you know, 25? Like, it's really, like, it's so arbitrary as well. It's just so box-checking. I was speaking to a government agency recently, I'll not name them, and they just said they had to report on 17 KPIs a month for their funding that they give. And he just said, my team spent half of their time reporting on the things that they might do. And he was, because he was just saying, oh my God, all we want to do is what you do, like get folk jobs all the time, get people trained, get people happy, get people off the dole, get people into their own wee house, you know, get people their first passport, like all that stuff. And I said, well, imagine what we could do if we got your funding, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, yeah, that, totally. that is the thing that's exciting about social enterprise is that kind of middle ground where there is less red tape. Yeah. Um, you are being able to invest, you know, in, in what you see as fit. And I think mostly also with social yeah. investment, social investment is heading down that way. And I think grant yeah. funding is changing slowly, admittedly, but I do think there is more listening happening to the ground than there has been. And I also think as well, something, so we've done some grant funding, oh, we've done loads of grant funding, but one project, the admin took us three months after the project was finished, because and also we had to spend all the money before we could recoup it. So not many businesses can be affording to be 15 grand out, still keeping the business afloat for what is now plus three to four months of when we should have been paid. You know, like that is like that's chronic like we talk about big businesses not paying small suppliers but actually funders expecting small social enterprises to be able to fit the bill you know so that they've got every single receipt for 40 quid at just eat you know 13 pound in wh smith like you know it's insane and we get mm. we work obviously a lot on sponsorship for events of corporate scotland um love to work with corporate uk um but you know these guys are just like what do you want you want five grand to sponsor something at the yoga festival that amount of people there'll be that free tickets we get our logo on this yep sounds good and then you're like oh my god these guys don't like they literally don't even want a report because they're like oh (laughs) oh my god they literally had to ditch that money and again it's just a reminder of how much money is out there what other people are spending how stagnant the social enterprise sector is how sometimes you feel like you've got 
you know, a, a hand around your neck that you're being choked because you're asking for eight grand to run a course. You know, and people are spending eight grand on stationery and they don't even have offices anymore. You know, like, I think sometimes like, like us in the sector, we have to say like, no, I'm not taking this anymore. This does cost this. This is our management fee. Like, how do you want us to grow and scale and do more things unless, you know, the system changes unless we aren't spending all our time trying to find you know a taxi receipt or you know like all these sort of like arbitrary things you're just stopping us doing the good work like you know it's and I you know and I know I'm speaking and there is like a funder capacity to this but you know what I mean like I just think that sometimes as well so I think funders as soon as they hear it they're like oh god I god that was a bit much eh? the way that we're going after them for 30 quid they probably could have just said it was miscellaneous and moved on because who you know yeah. i think it's yeah. like while we still who's looking keep... at it worrying yeah, yeah who really cares we, yeah while we keep doing it they're just like oh they must have the time oh they must do it like oh they must see the you know the value or whatever mm. so yeah so actually i think that we do need to you know we need to make our voices heard because i think it's very easy to be like me moaning in my best pal on social enterprise oh, such and such as make me do this report but you know we don't tell them so it's like right let's you know let's let, let's speak up and try and change things yeah I think we need a way to constructively provide feedback and you know in if you are doing impact reports often you'll say you know this is the return on investment that saves local authority funding if we're bringing people yep. off the streets into jobs etc yeah but we don't say if I was spending you know 40% of my time not doing the administrative work they're asking I would have this extra impact you know we don't do impact yeah, reports like that yeah. And, totally. and we shouldn't have to because we sh- that's again more work to do that but yeah. um, you know that's hopefully a kind of place for this podcast as well we have mm-hmm. an audience of charities of funders of social enterprises or people who are working in the sector people out of sector and the idea is to try and you know get people to understand the people behind the roles and yeah. what's actually important how do we make sure that we create impact and support businesses who do have a social impact to be sustainable yeah, totally. That is exactly it, Murphy. Exactly. Talking of other enterprises, are there yeah. any particular um, organisations at the moment that you're watching, seeing happening? I know you mentioned um, Centre Stage. Centre Stage, yeah. There's loads, there's loads of really cool ones happening in Scotland as well. So there's obviously, um, I mean, it'd be remiss of me not to plug Zakia's Invisible Cities, but I tell you, it's funny because I am so harsh to her face like I make, she probably thinks I think she her said business. That <laughs> good, good. I put her through the ringer, but then I go out and I'm her biggest fan, and I feel like I should be on commission for the amount of people that I'm sending to her and things. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, she's really so. Zach and herself is obviously super cool. She has to be be my friend, but um, <laughs> she is. She's got an amazing story. You know, Zach is a cancer survivor as well, which she never really brings up. So she had cancer when she was 27. So I just feel like. I've got the audacity to take that and tell that piece of her story. But she, you know, Invisible Cities and they operate in, in weirdly, in so many cities, but they do so much other work as well, which sometimes I'm like, Zach, like, talk about mission drift. Like, what are you doing there? You know, packing toiletry boxes or wrapping gifts or doing this sort of... Um, or the magazine. This, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shots, oh, my God. But that her social impact is so wide-ranging so it's almost like because she does so much that is how they are able to expand so Mm. well so yeah so that um miss 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 in glasgow they're really really cool as well 
they do great work around women's empowerment and amazing story as well started off with making some pants they are really great grace chocolates based out of sterling as well so they make um work with women who are in the criminal justice system and make chocolate so we use them a lot for our corporate orders i'm pretty sure they wish we oh, use us more but yeah just something really cool as well but there are there's so many and it, it's funny because it's quite all of a sudden hard to pinpoint like, like oh, what are they doing and what are they doing but there are just there's a lot happening as well i mean like to think about somebody like hey girl just how monumentally massive they've become like i seen the other day that they are now giving grants to other social enterprises so you're like oh my god talk about paying it back talk about doing some right cool things as well and cecilia like she's a proper boss and what was really good about them is they really went after the pr angle so doing things like entering awards getting that publicity sometimes it can be so hard to see the tangible effects of that you're like should i do a press release or should i do a grant funding bid or should i do this or should i do that and it can be really hard to think like what's the point of doing a bit of PR what's the point of paying for some PR because we'll probably get nothing off of it but they are a really good example of doing really great um, and again sometimes I don't even think that people know that they're a social enterprise which is almost like the best um, like nod that you can get. Uh, social enterprise mm-hmm. by stealth is my uh, it's one of my favorites yeah <laughs> I, I like stealth. that. The accidental. Yeah, like, oh they're a social enterprise are they? I didn't realise. Yeah, yeah you turn over a pamphlet or something, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I like that. I actually mm-hmm. really like that, because I think, actually, yeah. sometimes we're so, like, focused on, oh, we've got to be a social enterprise, we've got to, you know, that we, that so we, then, we don't focus on mm-hmm. selling and the product and what we're so doing. We and being quickly learned it's, in yeah. our industry that, actually, it was, it was a bit of a negative at the start, because... Um, corporates a couple of years ago were not ready for it so what was happening was we were saying oh we do this and we you know we organize blah 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 and then we bring along our guys and they've been on our course and they'd be like what like homeless people are going to be at math then and you're like oh my god massive education piece here and i remember doing a thing with a motorcycle brand and one of the just like the kind of sales guys said oh my god I hope they're not going to steal the motorbikes and you're just like so tone deaf for so many reasons so actually for a while we just started to say yeah we're an events company we're an events company and then we would say oh literally if we were like chatting at it as well oh by the way tonight what you don't realize is in this room peppered through our events crew is people who have know had a tough time you know all of a sudden then people are like oh this is this has been really good it's been really well run and oh there's some good has come out of it that's great and then again back to the whole you know they're wearing the happy help t-shirts they're part of the brand they've had that training they've been educated around how to speak with delegates suddenly attendees they can't even tell who it is you know, it's like, who's the homeless one? Like, who's the one that's had mental health issues? Like, you don't know, because everybody just looks like everybody else and everybody's happy and smiley. And um, yeah, so that was like one of the good things. But now, post-pandemic, we see a massive uptake of people. And maybe it's just because we've still survived. Maybe it's because I bang on about it on LinkedIn all the time. But really, I do think that it's because people now want 
uh, this social impact element. And I know that just pre-pandemic, we did a really big event with a very famous person and we were competing against other agencies. We were competing against a London agency and then a really, really well-established Edinburgh agency. And we were picked by the client because we did the social impact element. I was like, and like, we're so good. You know what I mean? Like, we're not rubbish event planners. Like, certainly not the best. But, um, you know, you're still getting a great service and you're doing some good. It's not like, please hire us. Please pick us because we might help somebody. You know, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It's quality. I like to call it quality first. And then, oh, by the way. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, by Whether the way. Whether you wanted it or yeah. not, you yeah. helped people, you old yeah. Scrooge, you old miser. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love I it. love that. Um, yeah, so- I think also we, we are in the marketing position enterprises. When it first came about, there was a bit of what we call poverty porn, you know, mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. trying to bring people in. And if you look oh. at the consumer market, you know, you might buy something once, but yeah. but the reason for doing that is is sort of guilt relieving as opposed to let's invent totally. this in everything. You know, if you are yeah. a business and you don't have a social impact you're falling behind and that should be the narrative that we're thinking you know and that should be the norm yeah like yeah. where is the impact of this so when I was at street soccer they really really taught me about because obviously homelessness and massive players in that sector will use the typical image of the guy outside with the cup for change and the dog on the street and then that is how they will you know, that's what all their marketing shaped around. They'll happily use terms like the homeless on their market and like nothing but stigma, perpetuating stigma all the time. And at Street Soccer, it was every image we use is of happy players. So we never use the term service users. We only ever use the term players. Everything is inspirational. Everything is aspirational as well. And for mm. so many, what was happening is a lot of the guys that came to Street Soccer would be quite young, you know, 18, 19, 20, and then if you look at a poster for one of the national agencies and it's a guy in his 40s lying on the street, they're going, oh, that, that's not me. Oh, they can obviously help me. But if they just see some guy in a tracksuit, they're like, oh, it's totally me. Football top. Yeah, that's me. So street soccer were amazing. And they really, just especially in Scotland, like unbelievable inspirational marketing. So when I did Strawberry Lemonade, I was like, well, we'll never... Like, I'm just going to take that lesson. Like, I'm not going to go back in time. And again, not that we do any marketing because like a hairdresser, like you never get around to cutting your own hair. But um, if we were to do any decent sort of marketing, it would be nothing but happy, inspirational, you know, just like event companies do. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. Sean, it's been really good to chat to you. Where can we find out about your social enterprise? So hopefully by the time this goes out, we will have split the brand. And I'm now saying this on this podcast so that we have got it together for coming out. So we so we'll always be at strawberrylemonadeevents.com, but that's where all our lovely events and all our social impact will lie. So we do a food festival and a yoga festival, but we're moving our corporate stuff over just to be SL events literally just a little bit tighter and a little bit slicker and it's just the next evolution of our business so we'll still be us we'll always be a social enterprise but if you're looking for us in a corporate capacity you hire sl events and you're looking for us in a social enterprise or a special occasion wedding birthday festival then we'll be strawberry lemonade but right now you'll always find us at strawberry lemonade events so instagram facebook uh, and online on our website 
If you or one of your colleagues would like to find out more about the social enterprise development work at Homeless Link, we will be holding our annual enterprise development conference on the 16th of November. For tickets, please go to homeless.org.uk forward slash event forward slash enterprise hyphen development hyphen conference. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe for more episodes or follow us on Twitter at thismuch underscore we know or email us at thismuchweknow at homelesslink.org.uk.